This episode is sponsored by Gorgeous. Gorgeous is the number one e-commerce help desk that lets you manage and respond to messages from your site, social, email, and SMS all in one platform. They have built-in automations to handle common queries like order tracking and save your team time and money. Get a free month by clicking the link in the description and elevate your customer experience today. You're listening to the Agency X Podcast. I'm your host, John Sertakowski, founder and CEO at Avex, a New York City-based e-commerce agency for high-growth D2C brands. As always, I'm joined by our e-commerce strategist, David Anzalone. Our goal is to provide some insight into e-commerce, technology, design, and everything in between. Let us know what you think of today's episode and make sure to visit our website, avexdesigns.com. Welcome to the Agency X podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Sertikowski, and I'm joined by David Anzalone. Uh, and today we also have uh, Morgan, our email marketing manager, uh, who just started uh, a couple weeks ago. So excited to have you join this episode, uh, Morgan. How's it going? Very good. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Yeah, of course. We we spoke about email marketing a few times, I think, on this podcast, but um, I think you could probably bring um, a lot more experience to the conversations um, and uh, maybe some some advice for some of our listeners and the merchants who are trying to optimize their email and SMS. So I'm super excited about this episode. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think before we kind of get into some of those like actionable insights and things, uh, Morgan, you know, we were just curious about, you know, your background and, you know, how you even got into email marketing and when that kind of started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually started as a writer um, for a, a larger company and realized I was a little bored and doing the same thing all the time. I wanted to challenge myself and the person who was running their email marketing was going on maternity and they said, would you want to learn it in the interim? And I was like, sure, why not? And just fell in love with the creative aspect, but I also got to look at, you know, the analytics and what's working, what's not working and AB testing all the time. And it, it kind of applied to my left brain and right brain, which is, you know, my sweet spot. So when uh, my coworker at the time came back from maternity. I I wanted to duct tape myself to the desk so she couldn't sit, um, but had the opportunity to actually stay on and grow there and then went to an agency and I just really, truly like fell in love with email marketing and, and how it can really help a brand show who they are and inform their customers. That's pretty awesome. Um you know, I'd say that's that's a pretty common story that we hear in this space where um, people kind of fall into something, they learn about it, they really love it, and then they just kind of hone down and, um, you know, pivot towards it, which is really great. Uh, I would say both John and myself probably have similar-ish kind of backgrounds to an extent, so that's really cool. Um, in regards to, you know, email, right, when you're working with uh, a variety of different brands. What would you say are some like universal best practices overall, regardless if it's a uh, you know dentist company, a clothing company, a like a CPG brand? Um, you know, what are those things that you look for or kind of recommend off the bat? Yeah, definitely. Uh, things I see often, and I think the the email programs that I see out there that are just killing it are the ones that are really staying true to their brand. They're presenting their brand no matter what the email topic is. So their their design looks like their website looks like their social media you know who you're getting this email from um 
and CTAs, I cannot reiterate enough how important these, you know, call to action ends in your email. The importance is just astronomical. Um, keeping it above the fold, it's it's great to have lovely imagery, but we are a society that loves to push buttons, literally, literally and figuratively. So email is a great place to let them push buttons, get to your site, give them that action. Um, text is great, but for the most part, unfortunately, most people don't want to read a lot. So bite-sized content with the opportunity to read more is always great. Um, shoppable, shoppable, shoppable. If your email is about a specific, say, product and you have other products, find a way to incorporate those other products. So if your main focus doesn't appeal to that customer, they can find something else. And sometimes that's just footer categories or a data feed. They, it really helps keep that customer engaged. I have, um, so we have a lot of, I mean, that's great, great advice. We have a, I'm, I'm really interested in like frequency or the amount of campaigns that a brand might be pushing every week or every month or even every day. Like we have some merchants that are maybe sending one to two mm-hmm. a week. Uh, and then we have some, like one larger merchant who is sending one to two per day um, where they're sending out like 30 emails and they're very profitable. They have a huge list. Do you, is there any like, like hard rule with how many emails a brand should send? Like, is it the bigger the brand, the more emails? Is it the type of product? Like what's some good indicators that lets you decide on how many emails they should be pushing out um, every week or every month? Um, That's a great question. I think it's one that a lot of brands are say, should I send every day? Should I send once a month? Um, I never recommend sending every day. You're going to fatigue your customer. They're going to know they're going to get an email. So there's no urgency to open it when they get it because they know tomorrow there'll be another one. Um, I, That's a great point. Yeah, great point. My, I always say best practice sweet spot, I would say eight to 12, two to three a week, depending on your brand. Um, and also what if you are doing SMS, uh, that can always backfill a little bit. So if you send eight campaigns a month via email, maybe SMS, you do three. And that kind of brings you completely to 11 a month. That's a really good sweet spot. Um, if you're going to send more than eight to 12, segmentation is key. You need to segment more than ever, uh, targeting whether based on gender, based on location, uh, shopping habits. But I never recommend every day unless everything is super segmented. Um, yeah, I, I always find anywhere from 8 to 12 to be a really nice sweet spot. And especially in the beginning, don't feel locked down to specific days of the week. I, I've worked with many clients that are like, well, we always send Tuesday and Saturday. And I'll say, well, why? Well, that's just what we decided. But do you know if Monday's better? Do you know if Thursday? Like, test, figure it out. Um, you're going to yeah. pump more emails out during Black Friday, during the holidays. So you don't want to fatigue them throughout the year when you know you're going to pretty much flood them during those really important times. No, that's uh, that's uh, really valuable. No, that, that sounds good. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, I am, I think it also depends on, as you said, the, um, the industry, the type of brand. 
but also I think also the size of the catalog too. Um, some smaller D2C brands, maybe they have one product. Of course, with one product, you cannot send every day. Like, especially it's the same type of product. Like we've spoke about this brand a few times, uh, Athletic Greens. Um, they have one product, basically. Mm-hmm. They can't send emails every day. If they did, it would have to be like informative emails on like how to use the product mm-hmm. or like like lifestyle type uh, emails uh, to like, you know, get the most out of your nutrition or something like that. But if you're um, a clothing brand and maybe you have a really large catalog, men's and women's, I think you could get away with sending every day. And, and on your point, as long as it's mm-hmm. segmented, for example, if you have men's and women's wear, and then those have different segments within them, um, it's it's best to test frequency. So maybe you you are sending every day, but using that as like, you know, what days of the week do, do does each segment or each category within your catalog perform best? Um, and I am curious about how to test that. Does is there any like insights or analytics in Clavio that could help to um, with recommending frequency or recommending time of day, even more specifically, like if you're sending, like you said, one of those brands are sending Mondays and Saturdays or something, or Tuesdays and Saturdays, is there any recommendations or any to see some insights on, you know, breaking up that list to say, well, you know, these people have here or the actions that they've taken leads, leads me to believe that you should be sending them on this day, or this time of day. I'm curious if they have any like data science or any, analytics that could help with that decision yeah there's some um there's some that is in there there's some you would have to test to get some of those results so they do have send send time testing there are a little bit of restrictions you have, to have a certain number on your list um but i believe it's about 10k don't quote me on that i could definitely confirm um but it's worth testing those to get kind of a feel um another thing i really like Clavio, especially in terms of send time, is you can do local send time. So say you want to do everybody gets at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. on the West Coast is different than 8 a.m. on the East Coast. So you can actually specify locals. So in New Jersey, you're going to get it at 8 a.m. And in California, you'll get it at your 8 a.m. Um, in terms of the people opening it, they do have great reporting in terms of engagement. So you can look and see who was engaged in the list and who was not engaged in your list. And that can kind of help you narrow down their actions a little bit more. Other things you can do is really play with segmentation. Um, you ne- don't necessarily have to use the segments to send. You can provide the reports that you're looking for. Uh, if everybody on the East Coast, I want to know how many have purchased two or more times, you can get that information. Um, otherwise, A-B testing is great. You can actually do multiple versions. I think their max is 10 and test different send times. I want this one to go at 8 a.m., 8 p.m., which one's going to get the most engagement. I personally recommend a full 50-50 test so you can get a really clear answer. However, there are some hesitations with that. So, Clavio also has the op- option where you can say send 20% and then the results after this 20%, the rest 80% of that list will get the winner. That's also possible. I, I always recommend uh, the more the better in the beginning to get really strong results. No, that's um, great. That's great advice. Sorry, David, go ahead. 
Uh, no. So I was going to say on that, that note, so something that does end up happening with A-B testing, um, you know, in really every realm is that, especially in the beginning, you know, you'll run tests and oftentimes you'll get results, you get a winner, but the, you know, margin of the winning variant is so slim, you can't really rely too heavily on it. What would you say is from, from the email side uh, in terms of either how, the number of tests or like percentage win by from like a, a specific variant mm -hmm. that you have to kind of do before you can, you know, confidently say, yeah, like this is definitely the winning variant. This is, you know, this type of email versus this other kind uh, performs better. You know, what's kind of the best practice from that from your yeah, side? Yeah, um, every test needs to happen a minimum of three times. That's pretty much my hard and fast rule to get really clear results to know, okay, consistently this one is coming, you know, the, the subject line with an emoji does much better consistently every time that can help. Um, and making sure there's a, only one variable that's changing every time. So, you know, your test is good. It is tough because you see a lot of tests come back and it's like 0.01% difference. So in that case, maybe the variable isn't different enough. They're too similar. Maybe they both kind of work. It happens a lot with subject lines where is it, is it the discount that gets them in? Is it the new that gets them in? So I, I always recommend what I'd like to do is dedicating a month to a specific test, whether that's subject line, whether that's email length, having it shorter, having it longer with more information and do that consistently across the month, pick four or five campaigns where you're running that test. And at the end, collect all the data, look at each one and which one, and then pull them all together and overall, which variable one. And then that can help you never make a decision based off one test. Yeah, no, for sure. That's, that's great. And that's, that's pretty much, you know, again, like the correct sentiment, even with, uh, what I do, which is with on-site optimizations for any test that you do run, you, you can't really rely on just one test or even if the margin is so slim. Uh, but that's a very good insight about, you know, sometimes maybe the variable that you're testing, right? Maybe it's not super strong or maybe the, maybe neither of what you're testing is actually impactful uh, to like, or important to, you know, what the user looks for, for that particular kind of product. And, um, you know, in when you've kind of worked with this, right, with certain like brands, has there ever come any like frustration that you've had to kind of explain uh, essentially like this too about, you know, it's not like a magic pill where it's like, yeah, we know for a fact this will like win and it'll always win. It's it's more a patience game. Yeah, yeah, you definitely, um, you want results, especially as a business. You want to know what's, what's going to make you the revenue, get you the best engagement. Um, but there is a lot of patience in it. Um, and also, we all want to test a million things at once and having to sometimes persuade the idea that we have to pick one thing and focus on it. It's like going back to like a subject line. If you want to say, check this out and then check this out with an emoji, that's a clean test. But sometimes you'll see people wanting to do like, check this out with an emoji and another one saying, these are exclusive new things. It's really not a clean test. There's too many variables there'll be no way to know if one won because of a emoji, because of the language, there's too many things. So sometimes just remembering you have to focus on one seems very minor, 
variable to get a clear result and do that a few times. I think that's more or less um, what I have to uh, convince more often than not. Mm -hmm. For sure. And uh, another thing kind of related to that is, do you, uh, like on the email side, you know, do you play any, any hand or have any opinion on, you know, the pages that these users specifically, you know, drawn mm -hmm. to, um, you know, for me, their landing page optimization where it's, you know, you're doing like a split test where you have the email and it's like, Hey, let's send this percentage of users to this version of a landing page. Let's send this percentage of users to like another version. Do you have any hand in that or, you know, the role that email plays in that or is, is what is what you kind of focus on more about optimizing the the actual like email content itself? I definitely have played with whether we send it to the category of the PDP. Um, in terms, say it's we're featuring a pair of shoes. If it's a very specific pair of shoes, I'm more inclined to say, okay, send them to the PDP. But if you're representing a collection just send them to the collection or you don't have to get too granular because they're seeing so many options. What they're clicking may not necessarily be what they want to buy. They're just trying to get onto the page. It is dependent on a customer, but I never, I really try to avoid to put them on a homepage. I want them to be on a shoppable page. I want them further down the funnel. When they're clicking in an email, they're most likely interested in a product that was featured. Does that help? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And um, I would say it's one of the nice things, or I guess maybe not nice, but unique things about email is normally for uh, most traffic sources uh, from like paid or, or social, um, you know, generally collection pages aren't really the, the best kind of pages to drive people to because it is sort of non-specific, but email is probably one of the only sources mm -hmm. where collect driving traffic to collection pages can be really useful, especially if you know, there's a specific purpose tied to it that say there's a like the obvious one is like there's a new collection that's being that's, this brand is releasing. Of course, you're going to want them to see all the products in that collection. But same thing if they're doing like a, you know, a massive like restock and they want to send users to a collection of all products that just got restocked, that would make a lot of sense. It doesn't work as a it doesn't work as a great strategy for like paid, like, you know, paid acquisition. But terms of like email, I've noticed that it performs a lot better. And that's a pretty consistent thing I've seen with a lot of the people we've worked with. Definitely. Especially if you're doing like, if you're doing a collection sale, all shirts are 30% off. Yeah. You don't want them to look at one specific shirt because they're at a discount. You want them to be able to see multiple because they're 30% off. Normally, maybe they would get one at full price. They have a discount now. They might put three in their cart. Um, it's a lot of with email, I always try to remind clients and people I work with, think about you as a customer, as an online shopper. Like, what would you like? What would make you want to click it? And is it getting right to the nitty gritty of a specific product? Or are you clicking that email because there's a sale and you want to be able to see everything on sale? It's it's a kind of a weird psychological game, but I would honestly say um, email and site kind of work really well together, whereas uh, social has a little bit different of a strategy and why they're trying to get them onto the site. It's more, it's a, it's a little bit different. Like you were mentioning, it's, it's not the same necessarily like strategy or goal. Mm -hmm. 
But I will say it's interesting to say, you know, focus on like you as a customer. I mean, even with, you know, uh, like UX design, it's, it's all kind of falls back to that is, you know, thinking about from the user's perspective of what, you know, they would want to do or what's useful for them. Uh, really, I'd say this is one of the huge takeaways here for me anyway, is that a lot of the same thought processes that go into, um, you know, the decision making for the user experience or customer experience really translates very well to email. It's almost the same considerations, just a different medium or format, which um, I had never really thought about too concretely. But the more I think about it, the more it's like, well, this sounds a lot like, you know, uh, website UX, but it's email. Yeah, they're, they definitely operate very similarly. I mean, I look at, I always explain abandoned cart as the abandoned cart flow and why we select certain timeframes in between emails. And I always say, because we're people, we're busy people. You have to go pick up your kids. You have to make dinner. That might be why they abandoned their car. It's not necessarily because they decide they didn't want it anymore. Life happens, internet goes out. And a couple hours later, we're just like, hey, do you remember this? And then they convert because other things came up. And just thinking about it as a consumer and having that gentle reminder of this is in your cart. Do you still want it? Sometimes you need that, or maybe you were waiting because payday's tomorrow. You're going to get that email that'll remind you how you, you know, you get the card. Just thinking in terms of you as a customer and why you abandon a cart and why you make a purchase through an email will help optimize your email strategy. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's that's great. Uh, John, do you have anything that you want to add to that? Yeah, I could. No, I think nothing to add to that, but I'm curious about. Um, about how email, what what's some different things that we can do for subscription-based businesses, uh, subscription-based brands? Like, I, I, I found some cute, like, interesting ways about how you can create some unique flows. One of them was, you know, if somebody makes a purchase you know, of course you do your welcome series and then you wait X amount of time before recommending a subscription. Like, let's just say they're selling razors or we actually have a merchant. We did a uh, one blade shave Mm -hmm. uh, that we did um, some recharge integrations for. It was a headless build. Um, But if you're buying, like say that razor one time and then, you know, I'm sure that there's a way in Clavio to like notice when someone purchases a second time or when they become a good candidate for subscription, when to recommend them. And I'm curious if you have any uh, advice on what uh, a good flow might be for, for, for getting people to sign up for more subscription-based um, products uh, and you know what would be a good strategy there to get someone to sign on. Are there any ways to leverage Clavio that are specifically targeted towards subscription? Yeah, brand? definitely. Um subscriptions i've worked with a few different brands there and they're a lot of fun and really they you treat that customer a little bit differently i always recommend after somebody makes their second purchase wait a couple weeks if you know your product's life you know time if you will like a razor say somebody you know that somebody always happens to rebuy every 30 days 25 days after they purchase, you're going to send that customer an email that just says, hey, let's, you know, let us help you get this to your door. No thought. Like everybody hates running out of their favorite product. You know, take the stress away. 
and show them the benefits, you know, free shipping, 15% off every time, exclusive access to new products, anything like that. And then I always like to send a reminder if they didn't convert and didn't make a purchase, if they didn't make another purchase or didn't add a subscription, you're going to kind of remind them like, hey, don't forget, we'll give you an extra, maybe it's five off your first one because they already showed they're loyal. When a customer shows they're loyal to your brand, they purchase two, three, four plus times. That's the one to sweeten the deal for a little bit more. A one-time purchaser isn't necessarily ready for a subscription, they're trying your product out. If they purchase again, now you see that they like the subscription. Um, but in terms of a different type, you can do a subscription flow of, you know, welcome to our subscription program here, your benefits as a reminder, if you ever need anything, here's how to contact us, maybe a quick FAQ section you can include in there. I always have a uh, subscription installation flow, you know, sorry to see you go, but don't forget our products are always here. You can purchase anytime, like when it's convenient for you. Sometimes people cancel subscriptions because they have too much product. So trying to keep them close. Yeah. And then after a certain amount of time, you send an email like, you know, we issue you around here. We took your feedback. We have these options now. Or did you know that you can change how often you get the product? You can send that email. The goal is to treat your, I always say you treat your email customers different than your social. And you're going to treat your subscription purchasers different than your one-time purchasers. If they're subscriptions, they are your bread and butter. They believe in your brand wholeheartedly. You want to make sure they are able to access you. Yeah, that's great advice. And you, now that you bring that up, like I have a couple of subscriptions that I signed up for where I experienced both. Like one was I had too much product and I'm like, wow, I didn't think I was going to go through it. And I think that there's a better experience that some brands could offer there. Like one of the brands I would offer, order from, they didn't have flexibility with their subscriptions. It was like, you just get it once a month and it's a 30 days of supply and that's it. But if you skip three days throughout that month or five days or a week, or you go on a vacation, you're, you're never going to catch up. It's like impossible to catch up. And it's, it's even harder when that product can spoil or it has an expiration date. Um, and I think providing some flexibility there, being able to easily cancel. And then, like you said, have some sort of like subscription farewell email and then re-engagement and figuring out what the best time is for that. Like, for example, like if a product, if they ordered, they're on subscription, maybe three, four months, and they cancel it. It's most likely they have too much mm -hmm. product. Um, like what's going to be a certain amount of days, maybe it's another 60, 90 days or something where you realize that they're probably going to need more of that product. How can you get them back on subscriptions and, um, and, and, and providing some guidance on how we could get them back. And there are a couple of subscriptions that I signed up for that make it very difficult to cancel subscriptions. Like you have to email them and wait for a reply and it's like, can't just manage it yourself. So uh, I think there's a lot of attention customers could put or, or merchants can put on, their customer experience um, around subscriptions, and then how can how can they support that with email marketing um, beyond just you know trying to get more people to sign up? But the easier you get to change or pause, mm -hmm. the better experience it'll have, and more likely will they will customers sign back up for that subscription because it's they know it's not so difficult to cancel. Definitely, it. one of 
I, I have a few subscriptions, but one of my favorites is um, I get my dog's food delivered on consistently. Uh, I think I'm nice. at 10 weeks. Chewy. Chewy. Love chewy? subscription. Yeah. Love Chewy. And, Huge. Yeah. Fan you of can chewy. add things to it. And sometimes I'll look and I'm like, she's going to run out soon. And you can, you know, say, no, send now. No, you're not sending for another week. They're very flexible. You can change the, how often you get it. Um, but customization, people love that. You, you know? Yeah. And for Chewy, like I, my, my wife's cat, I don't like to say it's my cat. It's my wife's cat. Um, but I don't want to claim him. Um, he has this special like prescription Mm -hmm. food for like years now. And it was great. Chewy made it super, super easy. And if it's late, I could add more, like you said. And also if I need to postpone it, it has the calendars in there. Super easy. Um, and their their shipping is insanely oh, fast. Wow. They've made it so, so easy. Um, and that's like, if any merchants are looking for some good subscription examples, I know that might be not easy to do because their, their site's very, it's proprietary, obviously, but you could use whether it's a charge or like how you, how you use Clavio or how you use Shopify Plus and scripts and things like that to kind of mimic that experience as long as your customer experience and your um, just overall user experience that you're creating for your customers and how you're positioning it um, is aligned there, then, you know, you could kind of, I wouldn't say fake, but you could have a similar experience without like that enterprise level software or custom tools and things like that. So there's a lot of things you're different to do. Check out Chewy because they definitely have really great customer experience when it comes to prescriptions, when it comes to the, like the emails, like really good brand there. Definitely. Completely agree. What was I going to say? Totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's fine. Um, anything else, David, did you have anything you wanted to uh, touch on? Maybe it's like also like on-site pop-up. Any, any advice there on how to best collect email addresses too, because I think that's a big thing. I know there's a lot of conversations about how often do you have your pop-up? Should I have a pop-up? Is it too intrusive? In my opinion, as long as it's bringing value, it's really not too intrusive. Uh, And as long as it doesn't just hit your face as soon as you go to the site. Yeah, I I completely agree. I, uh, I, my family and friends will be like, oh, I hate these pop-ups. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's my living. Be gentle. Um, (laughs) But no, it's, Pop-ups are super valuable. Don't skip a pop-up. You can A-B test whether it's a fly-out or a pop-up. Personally, I prefer a pop-up. I think it's very clean to exit out if you're not interested, where the fly-outs can block other information on the site. And now you're running into websites where they have, you know, we're collecting cookies and you have to accept. And these things are piling up and can be more difficult to manage. When it comes to pop-ups, though, I, I... just like with email design, it needs to be your brand. If your brand is this exciting neon color brand and you have a plain white pop-up, it, it, it just shows that you just chose one. Um, make it unique. Make it you. Make the language sound like you. Uh, I always recommend collecting the, at least the first name. So if in an email you want to say, hey, John, you can. If not, I don't know how you would get that unless they place an order. Like the email address. And then there's preference options. I worked with a sports brand at a point in time and 
they would sell for, you know, the NFL team, you know, every single sport, but I'm a hockey fan. I don't want to get an, you know, football email. It's not relevant to me. So having that personalization, having those preference centers and then putting, making segments out of it, incredible. It gives you so much knowledge too. And in that, that case, they could select more than one. It was great. Um, I've worked with school supply brands. Are you a parent or are you a teacher? Because you're going to speak to them very differently. It's pop-ups are a great place to get that value. And one thing I will mention is the people who sign up for your emails and engage with your emails, that is your VIP. I have worked with brands that will say, but we have 100K followers on Instagram. That's amazing. That's a huge accomplishment. But those don't necessarily translate into customers where your email list translates mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, kind of like being on the in the fan club for your favorite musician. Your email list at that early access. It should get the day early email for a sale before social media does. Because a simple follow is a lot different than filling out a pop-up and showing that intent. And you want to make sure the language on the pop-up reflects that. This is an exclusive list. You are the VIP. You will get early access. You'll get alerts for new products before anybody else. And it all starts with that pop-up language and translates into your email. Yeah, and it it makes a lot of sense, especially if, you know, I I think when you're a first-time customer, first time you're coming to the site, you have to earn that trust first. You know, they're not going to sign up right away for, for some of those benefits as far as new access and things like that. But, you know, they're definitely going advantage of discounts and, and maybe free shipping or expedited shipping. Just something that's going to say, well, look, you're going to purchase from us anyway right now. You might as well sign up and get this access. And then in the future, there's definitely ways to be able to entice them for, um, like, for example, I think it's with Nike or something or in, in Adidas, like, when you sign up, you you get, I think it's free shipping mm-hmm. or something like that. It's like free shipping forever. I forgot exactly what they do, but there's there's some interesting ways that you can entice people to sign up. Me personally, I guess it depends on what the offer is in that email and what stage I am. And I, it, there's definitely ways to be able to test that. I know Privy has some really cool tools for A-B testing those things. Um, and every brand is going to be different. You know, like if you're coming there for a fashion brand and they're selling just a few products that maybe are on the higher end and you're making that purchase once a year or something, that's going to be some different offers and different incentives than like dog food or something, right? Something that or cat food, something that you're going to need every month. So I think it's like, you know, figuring out your customer is what they value most. And then how can you test a few different things that, that the, and, and what's going to work for your products and your yeah. customers? And I always say your welcome email and your welcome offer, it should be the sweetest offer because you're getting that first purchase. And we all know the value of that first yes. purchase is, is incredible. Um, so if your brand does 10% off often, this shouldn't be 10%. This needs to be 15. This needs to be 20. It needs to be sweeter than what they would get day to day. Just Yes. And I, and I, and a hundred percent to double down on that point of how important that first offer is in that first email and just email marketing in general, we see so many brands like, well, how much are you putting towards your email marketing? Like we, we, maybe we do an audit or maybe we ask them about it and 
their their revenue is low per for for email marketing and SMS. They're maybe blasting out one email mm-hmm. a week to their entire list. They're not using flows. They're not using segmentation. They're not using personalization. But they're spending fifty thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads and yeah. Instagram ads. Like you're trying to win these new customers. What about this l- giant list that you have? How can you optimize that, clean that up, so that when you are bringing people in with that 50 or 100K ad spend or whatever it is, 10K ad spend per month, how are you How are you getting the most from your ad dollars? Because once you bring someone to your site, if they're not signing up for your email list and you can't remarket to them and increase that ad order value, your cost of acquisition is going up like instead of going down, right? You want to be able to gain a customer and increase their, their, their customer lifetime value by getting them first, you know, getting them to sign up, even if, they, even if they don't buy a product right away, get them to sign up, market to them, bring them back to the website, make that sale. So this way you're, you're, you're reducing your cost for acquisition on your ad dollars. So it's just funny that there's a lot of misconceptions about email marketing. Maybe it's been around for a long time. It doesn't work as well, but it really does. Like you should be aiming for that 30 to 40% of revenue from email marketing. SMS is gaining a lot of more traction this year um, and it's going to keep growing. Um, and it's gets harder and harder to, you know, with all of the beef between like Facebook and Apple and things going on with cookies and it's going to get a lot more competitive and a lot more expensive to be able to drive traffic to yourself from that, those paid ads. So really focusing how you could own that customer data, or at least like, you know, have, have that customer data with you instead of with like Facebook or something um, is more and more important because you're going to be able to reduce your cost per acquisition, cost per customer. Um, you're going to be able to retain those customers, and increase average order value. So I totally agree there as far as that welcome message, that, welcome email, that first offer, it needs to be, needs to be the best offer they've seen all day for any product. Definitely. And it most likely they're trying your product for the first time. So it reduces that anxiety of, is it worth spending my money on it? You know, it's okay. I'm getting it for 20% off, so I'll try it. Now. Yeah, exactly. Especially for the new customers. Um, but all of this always depends on your product, what you're selling, your catalog, your brand. Um, you know, something that we always advise on is testing. It doesn't hurt to test. Test it out. Try it out. A/B test, like Holly was saying, um, and uh, and and see what works and what doesn't, and then make your decisions there. Uh, that's what that's what we always try to do and try to stress with uh, with our yeah. merchants. Great. Uh, anything else that we want to cover and go over, David? Did you have any other questions? I mean, I, I think that was, we have some real actionable things where merchants can take care of. And um, I think we, we learned a lot from Holly today. I'm sorry. We learned a lot from Morgan today. Okay. <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah, no, I just have one final question. I think we can close it out after that. But what would you say from you know, a new merchant who is, you know, just getting started with email, uh, Clavio specifically, what's the bare minimum that they should do that's going to make a world of difference? A real question. And when I hear pretty often, um, welcome email, pop up. These are the ones that you, you can't avoid. You need to have a great pop up and welcome email. They need to match and generally go up at the same time because they're going to speak to each other. Abandoned cart, huge revenue driver. Um, abandoned browse is a good one. And I always like to have a thank you message 
after they make a purchase. And don't be scared to separate new customers from repeat customers. The language you want to present to them is going to be a little bit different, but they're the ones I would start with. And you learn more and collect more information, go from there. And Clavio has an entire browse section of different flow recommendations. Check them out, see what works for your brand and we'll accomplish what you're looking for. It's, it's definitely worth trying. Awesome. awesome. Great. Great. All right. Well, thank you, David. Thanks, Morgan. Sorry, I said Holly before. I'm, we're literally onboarding a new, uh, just today, it's Monday, first of all. So, And two, we're onboarding a new internal marketing uh, uh, team member. So I, my names are all jumbled. <laughs> but otherwise, thank you, Morgan, for some of the insight today. Thanks, David, as always. Uh, and we'll look forward to uh, next week's podcast. Right. Thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate thanks. It. All right. Take care.